"'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house." Sorry, we won't be doing another bad parody of that poem. Today, we're talking about photographing the holidays on episode 89 of the Shutterbug Life podcast. Welcome to the Shutterbug Life podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is a place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Hey there, welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. This is your weekly photography lifestyle podcast, and we're building a lifestyle around creating great pictures, building an audience, and making an impact, whether that means selling, sharing, or showing your work. I'm your host, Lynn from Morton, and of course, you can call me Lynn, and this is episode 89, and we are smack in the holiday season. As I record this, Christmas is two days away, Hanukkah begins tomorrow, and I am sure you are thinking about how you capture all the festivities with your camera. At least you ought to be. I was thinking about photographing and photographing different times of the season, and it reminded me of, oh my goodness, one of the interesting times for me, you know, when I got my first real light set. Oh man, it was almost 10, 12 years ago. I don't know how how long ago. It was a long time ago. I decided I would do portraits of the kids because, you know, why should I go pay someone else to do them when I can do it myself? And so the kids are somewhere between two and 10. And I, you know, got them all together, got them all dressed up and got them in the living room and set the lights up and said, we're going to take portraits. And I tell you what, they were they were just not in the mood that day. They went first to like, oh, we don't want to do this. And then one of them got the giggles. And so two of them would be smiling. And the other one would just be bowling over, you know, head, you know, down, just giggling and laughing like crazy. And then, of course, it spread like a virus. And so another one starts giggling, and then that one stops. And then another one, you know, I've got three boys. So they're all taking turns giggling while everyone else. And I'm just trying to get through the shot, and I was starting to really get frustrated, just really get frustrated. And so now they're laughing, and Dad is really getting annoyed with them. And it wasn't until... I, you know, took a deep breath, stepped back, and got over myself that we turned that into a fun experience. We just said, okay, let's just be goofy, and let's photograph goofy. And as we did that, we ended up getting both shots they liked and that I liked. And it was just you know, one of the things I remember about photographing on the holidays and you might run into all kinds of challenges photographing the holidays and none might be as simple or as easy as mine was to overcome but thinking about all the potential things that you can deal with this time of year I thought it might be good or helpful to just step back and walk through 
photographing the holidays and some tips and ideas that you might take with you as you take your camera into the season. All right, so that's what we'll talk about today. Tis the season for giving and shopping, family, and photography. So you know that you're going to want to capture the best of these, of your holiday traditions and decorations and all of the other things you have going on, depending on how you celebrate this season. And so here are some tips for you as you think about it. So tip number one is make some shot lists. You know, there's so much going on during the holidays, and there's so much to your holiday story that it's 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 conceivable that in the moment you'll forget some of the obvious photos you want to get. It's like in any other time you go and photograph something important that like an event of or some kind or vacation or something when there it's a one time get the shot or miss the shot moment. You want to make sure you have a, a little shot list close by, maybe put it on your phone or you know, have a little piece of paper with you so that you make sure you get all the things you want to capture. Because in in the moment and in the, in the excitement, it's going to be easy to just uh, skate on by something or, or just totally forget something. And then, of course, the moment's gone for another year. So start out by just making yourself just a, a, a small shot list of, you know, you think about at the end of the day, pretend you're, you're creating your, your book and or telling the story and think about all the shots you'd want to have or need so that you can create a book or whatever product you have that tells the ultimate story of this holiday season and make sure you have all of the the shots and and video don't forget video that you'll need to tell that story so Make shot lists. Brainstorm all the things you love about the holidays. Brainstorm all the things you love about some of your own um, family traditions, and uh, make sure that you you have plans to tell those stories and tell those stories um, in a way that will will be memorable. So make shot lists. The next tip is to. Capture all of the stages, the prep stages. And so, you know, the most recognizable story structure is one where there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so you might start your beginning at the real beginning, meaning, and I know this year it might be a little late for that, but you might start capturing and telling your your holiday story long before Christmas morning or the day when your family gets together and observes you know, whatever special traditions you have, you might begin telling the story and recording um, their events back when the de- when you start decorating, right after Thanksgiving or whenever you do it. So when you start hanging lights or putting up trees or doing whatever it is you do to begin to create uh, the festive environment in your home, you know, grab your camera and, and start photographing those so that you have a full and complete story. When someone is cooking the holiday dinner or making the gingerbread cookies or whatever they're doing to help, you know, begin to create 
your 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 celebration, you know, grab a camera, maybe just snap one or two images to really begin to document and tell those stories and and continue that all the way through till you're done. I, if, if your home look anything like mine when the kids finish opening their gifts, you can't see the floor because there's just a sea of wrapping paper all over the place and it's just utterly chaotic. And and while it might, you might not want to re- document that or see that kind of mess, there's going to be a day when you're going to want to think back and, re- just, and just reflect on, you know, what the house used to look like when it was just chaotic after after opening gifts or, or you know, whatever um, you do to celebrate. And so think about that. Go all the way through to the point where it's messy and then you've cleaned up again. And perhaps when you're just sitting and having that quiet moment, you know, document all the way through. So the, the second one is is capture the, the, the prep stages, but also tell the full story from complete beginning to complete end. You don't, you, you, and it's, you know, when you're doing it, you can just pick up the camera and snap a few shots when something is going on and, and then move on. So capture all the stages is the second tip. The third one Take the holiday portraits before the holiday. Now, I told you about my situation and my experience with with my boys taking holiday portraits. They, you know, I had some good ones too, but you know, they were just they were always fun with or funny about portraits. Um, but the tip here is to take the holiday portraits before the actual holiday. Meaning you don't have to wait until it's right in the middle of the celebration to say, hey, let's you know all get together and take a portrait. Because you'll find that the younger family members, if there's if you have any around, the kids are gonna be much more cooperative when they're not waiting uh, to open gifts or there's not the promise of gift opening. Um luring, like hey, if you take your picture now, then we can open gifts. You're gonna find that um, the attention spans are going to be much shorter. So, take the holiday p- portraits long before the long before when there's no expectation of anything else to follow, and you'll find that people can be a lot more um, patient with it. Now, t- when you're taking group portraits for for of your family for the holidays, and it's always a good idea to get at least one group family portrait each year because 10 20 years later it's it's so cool to go back and look and mark each year how everyone is changing and growing and and you take it for granted how everything is at the time but 10 years later you're really going to treasure those photographs so when you're taking holly portraits, here are a couple tips for group shots and group portraits. I know a lot of times people struggle with where do I focus when I have a group of people and maybe one or two, three rows of people. So one of the things you want to do is focus on the front eyes of the front person. And that will give you just a little better opportunity to get everyone else in focus. You know, the the, the hyperfocal distance, well, well... If you know the way focus works, when you have 
your point in focus, about one third of the area in front of that and about two thirds of the area behind that is actually going to be in focus depending on your depth of field. So you have more area behind than you have in front. And so you, you'll want to lock in your focus on the person in the front. And so you'll have better and a better opportunity. And of course, you know that to get a wider range of depth of field from front to back, you're going to have to choose an f-stop that is a a higher number or a smaller opening. So you're going to want to be north of f7, f9-ish, depending on how big the group is. And for many of you, if you are not shooting with extra lights, for instance, if you're not using a flash of any kind, then you're going to have to really boost your ISO very high to be able to get a fast enough shutter speed at that at that f-stop. Because you know what, at that, that f-stop, when you start to begin to restrict the amount of light that comes through, it then forces a longer shutter speed. So what you're going to want to do is, if you have a tripod, try and use your tripod for that shot. Put the camera on a tripod, use your self-timer so that you are not depressing the shutter at the time it takes the photograph, and so you can at least um, it, not need to boost your ISO totally high, so high, but you can still uh, get a pretty reasonable shot where there's not a lot of noise and uh, there's no camera shake. So use your tripod if you have one. If not, then you can use something to steady the camera so that you're you're taking that shot and not depressing the shutter because it's likely you you are going to have um, a longer shutter speed than normal. Now, ideally, you're going to want to keep that shutter speed a little faster, right? So that if you're if you're not using a tripod, you're going to want to keep it depending on your lens. And I'm assuming you're going to have a somewhat wider ish um, angle focal length when you're taking a group shot. So try and keep that shutter speed up around one over one twenty fifth. That should be fast enough. But generally speaking, you want it to be at least the focal length or higher, meaning if you're shooting with a 20, um, let's say a 35 millimeter uh, focal length or lens, you're going to want to have that shutter speed be at least one over 35 or faster. Okay. Um, but just to keep things um, safe, you want to you try and get that shutter speed just a little faster if you can. So, the way to do that, ideally, is to use a tripod, use a self-timer. And the other way to do it is, especially if you're handheld, is to put it on continuous mode and shoot in multiple and shoot in bursts so that when you have one, two, three, the camera shooting right away brrr, in that kind of mode, you have a better chance of getting a steady shot in, in one of the images in the burst. T set up and test the shot, the, the scene before the family arrives. There's nothing that will ruin your image is if you are fiddling with your camera while everyone's waiting for you to take the shot. Because, you know, while they love you and they're trying to be patient, they're going to start to go, okay, what's going on? How long is this going to take? And that will show on their faces when you take the photograph. The last thing you want is for them to have that look on their faces that um, please hurry up and get this over with. And of course, the other benefit of having a tripod and using your self-timer is 
you can be in the photograph. You know, remember, you remember how we did those old school selfies? You'd set the self timer to 10 seconds and then run it in the frame and, and smile. Well, yeah, we can do that again now too if you don't have a remote control. Now, if you do that, this is another good time for your your continuous frame, meaning you can set your camera up to not just use the self-timer, but to take three or four images in a row. Like if, if you look in your menu, you can have the camera just go ahead and say, what take in 10 seconds, take three photographs right in succession. And so if you're doing the whole jump in front of the jumping into the frame while it's shooting, that's a cool thing because you won't have to deal with the whole one and done thing because, you know, someone closes their eyes and you have to go through the whole elaborate setup once again. If you take three in a row and everyone holds their smiles, you you have a much better op- chance for getting a good shots in there of the group. So keep that in mind also if you do the whole setup and uh, try and uh, jump in the photograph as well. Now, I was talking about if you, you know, setting it up so if you are not going to use lights, but, you, you know, that's cool because you get a little bit of the ambiance of the room, but you might want to add some light because it's so dark. And then, of course, that means using your flash. And we all know that that pop-up flash is probably the worst possible light in all creation. But if you have to use it, well, there are things you can do. But but just know that it's, it's, it's not the ideal light because it's such a small light source compared to your subjects, which are people. And because it's far away and because it's on the camera, like all the things that you need to have good light that that pop-up flash is act- is exactly the opposite. But sometimes it's better than nothing. And so if it's, you know, those are your choices, the pop-up flash or not getting the shot, then of course go with the pop-up flash. Know that in your menu, you know, you can do your exposure compensation where you can use that button with the plus and the minus to darken or brighten the whole frame uniformly. This is, you know, helpful if you're shooting in program mode or in one of the shutter priority modes. Well, there's also one for the flash on most cameras. And so you can look for it. It's usually the plus minus symbol, but a little flash symbol. And if you choose that, you look into your, you know, grab the old uh, camera manual and look for flash compensation and see where that button is on your camera. And with that, you can either brighten or darken the power output of your flash. And so that's helpful because, you know, often when that flash goes pow, it just blows out everything that's closest to it. And so people's faces are are all just totally washed out. So with this one, you can dial it back. So a lot of times I just like to dial it back a stop if I have to use it so that it's just not so powerful on your subject. The other thing you can do, of course, is diffuse it a bit by placing something over the front of it, like a little piece of tissue or something like that. It'll soften it a little, but, you know, not a whole heck of a lot. So, but it's still, again, better because it will 
try at least to soften the light going on to your subjects as well as the the harsh shadows that that flash will create right behind them. So if you have to use that flash, try dialing it back just a little bit using the flash compensation. Um, look in your camera manual and find where that button is if you haven't used it before. It's very helpful if you have to use the pop-up flash in not giving yourself that blown out look. If you have one of the external flashes, and and these days, I, I know that the manufacturer's flash, if you're shooting a Canon or Nikon or Sony or something like that, or they're usually pretty expensive, but you can get some off-brand ones now for less than a hundred bucks and and that perform just as well. And so that's a very cool option. So let's say you have one of them, then you can at least turn it and bounce it up off of the ceiling. So when it bounces off the ceiling, it comes back and that acts as a diffuser of sorts and gives you a much soft and... Uh, um, more pleasing coverage. So keep that in mind too. Get that external flash, bounce it off of the ceiling. Or if you have two of them, you can, you can of course have a second light and, uh, and uh, another light away from the camera can provide even better light coverage. But at this point, you're in serious nerd zone and uh, you might get images of family members, members rolling their eyes at you. So keep that in mind as well. <laughs> All right. So that's it on the uh, on the holiday portraits. Get those out of the way. Now, back to photographing. You know, a cool thing to do might be to try a time-lapse image series. Now, you know, time-lapse is when you have a camera set up somewhere and it takes one photo at every, you know, interval that you set up, whether that's one every minute or one every 10 minutes or one every 30 minutes. You can, in m many cameras that will give you the time-lapse option, set that interval and set the camera up to just take a photo. So you can set the camera up to just, for instance, get a wide shot of the room where everyone will be opening their gifts or, and doing the exchange or, or, me, or even a time-lapse of you decorating a tree from nothing to complete. And so set the camera up and have like maybe a wide shot of the entire room and have it shooting at, you know, any interval you choose, knowing that, you know, if you do four hours at one every minute, you have a whole lot of photographs that you have to go through and edit and look at. So, so, you know, keep that in mind too. This is probably a good time to if the light's not going to change setting your photograph your camera onto manual mode so that you don't have images going light dark light dark light dark cuz that can be annoying so if the overall room is not the light isn't changing in the overall room then setting it in manual mode would be good for that that time lapse um series um, and, and also manual focus, just set the focus manually yourself. So the camera's not doing any thinking, uh, when it's taking these pictures. So anyway, so a time lapse is a, a good fun thing to, to try, um, for, uh, for either decorating, taking down the decorations or the whole gift exchange or 
any other um, traditions you might have. Okay, then you want to get the opening gifts. And of course, for many families, that's really where all the action is. And so, you know, you're there with your camera, you're waiting for everything to happen. And and things move quickly, right? Because if your kids are like mine or any other kids I know, those gifts, you know, that paper gets ripped off in a matter of nanoseconds. And so you have got to be ready to go. Have that camera set long before the gift exchange begins, meaning you think about what you're going to be doing. Fast shutter speed, fast shutter speed, um, shooting continuous mode, um, using your autofocus AI servo or AFC for Nikons or other brands where the the focus continues to track and move with your subject as your subject moves. You're setting yourself up to capture rapid and, and erratic and unpredictable action. So you might think about that. Um, you don't want to be standing because every usually the kids are sitting when they're opening the gifts and you know that you want to be at, at least at eye level. So you are sitting too getting low so that you can be at eye level or at least a little below so that you can look up because as they open their gifts, their heads are turned down and they're looking down at the gifts. And so to really catch their eyes and the sparkle in their faces, you're going to have to get down even a little lower so that you can look up into their faces and really get their expressions. So keep that in mind too, as you sort of stage yourself before like someone has handed a gift, you're going to plop down and get down low enough so that you can see up into their faces if you need to, and then uh, go go in and lock in. Remember, you don't always have to get wide shots for these because the best shots, of course, are when you fill the frame with whatever's going on. So you can go in on some of them and fill the frame with just the faces and their the expressions or just the hands and the gifts as they rip open. Remember, the best stories show action and reaction so that you get the action of them ripping open and the reaction of them as they see what it is. I mean, that's the golden moment when they the eyes really light up when they see it's the gift that they had been hoping they could get and always wanted. So think about that. And then the other thing is the reaction of the person who was the gift giver, because not just the person who receives it, the person who gives the gift is usually a little emotionally connected to that moment as well and and feeling something. So you might even go back and look at mom as she looks on as the kids open the gifts. You will see that mom will have uh, uh a beautiful smile that you'll want to remember as well. Okay, so think about that as you're opening the gifts. You are getting a fast enough shutter speed because people are moving quickly. You are using continuous um, um, continuous capture, meaning when you depress the shutter, you're getting to three or five seconds uh, shots per second that your camera can do or faster, depending on your camera. And you are also, in some cases, looking at continuous focus, meaning on a Canon AI servo or in Nikon or other brands, AF-C, meaning as you move and follow them, as they jump up and run to grandpa to give grandpa a hug, your focus is continuing with them as they move, all right? So keep that in mind with the opening gifts. All right, the next one, as 
after you're done with all of that, it's a good opportunity for you to go around and get some detail shots. So these are the close-ups and extreme close-ups of little trinkets and mementos that you can use to fill in as you tell the story of the day, meaning go in and get close shots of decorations um, as the, they hang on a tree or or wrapping around a, or wrapped around the banister or the gingerbread house or cookies or just anything that says manure, anything that says uh, this is holiday in your home. Get some real close-ups of that. If you have a fast lens, open that lens up and get in really close and uh, Get those things sharply in focus with a nice soft background that really makes them stand out or pop. If you've got the macro lens, it's a good time to break that out too and really get in close and fill the frame and even break the frame if you can, meaning not even having the whole thing in the frame, but going into it. Um, if you are, t- if you've taken my five day composition, composition challenge, you know what I'm talking about there. And, it's a good time to do and get some of those because those are really great fillers for um, books or anything you have, um, Christmas cards you want to send out next year. Um, those are good uh, good um, ways to get not just festive moments, but abstracty kinds of shots, okay? Now... Holiday season is really a time for lights, and so you can, uh, this is a great time to play around with lights. And so you see a lot of people doing close-up portraits with the bouquet lights behind them. That's a classic staple of the season. And, uh, of course, when you're doing that, you are getting, you're bringing your subject away from the lights on the tree or wherever you have them. And you're getting very close to your subject. You are choosing a fast lens and opening it up wide, meaning you are going with the lowest f-stop that you can choose, f1.8, f1.4, f2.8, 2, whatever the lens is, the widest it will go, meaning the lowest number. And you're getting close to your subject, and your subject is far away from the lights because you need those two things to really begin to create that really soft bouquet effect. And by bouquet, we mean the soft plumes of light in the background um, that make for such cool um, holiday festive feelings. I'm going to include on the show notes page some examples of these kinds of pictures. So just in case you can't picture what I'm talking about, you'll see what I mean. Uh, so close-up portraits with those are a classic for lights. It's a cool time to experiment by just getting, you know, putting the taking a picture of a tree or any other lights you have and putting the camera's autofocus to manual autofocus so that you're controlling the autofocus yourself and then taking the camera way out of focus so that you have just the soft lights out of focus. That's kind of cool. Um, one of the fun things I like to do with these kinds is to zoom while set it up so that your camera is using a long shutter speed, meaning at like 
one second, you're naturally you're going to have it on a tripod, your camera on a tripod. And while the shutter is open and it's taking that one second shot, slightly move your zoom through the entire exposure. Meaning for one second, you're going to be zooming slowly through that entire one second. And then you get this sort of very funky, cool explosion effect on the light. So that's kind of a fun and funky thing to play around with. If you ever want thought about light painting, this is a good time to do that too. Again, long exposure and dark, and then using a flashlight or some other kind of light source, you can literally paint over your subject or or swinging you know sometimes people go outside and they, they sort of swing the lights in a circle the christmas lights in a circle and then have someone standing in front so that you have that circle of lights but then you will have the silhouettes of your of a person or some other subject in front of it it's kind of a fun experiment to play around with don't forget the other lights in the neighborhood in many neighborhoods the neighbors all have different light exhibits or light shows on their front lawns. And that might be fun to capture some of that as well. And that helps you really capture the fullness of the season. All right. So you've got the lights, you've got just about everything at this point. And so the one almost last tip for you is to don't forget to sometimes put that camera down and connect. I know it's really tempting for us to be in storytelling mode and having that camera up at our faces and running around shooting the whole time, but don't be so focused on taking pictures that you forget that this is a a, a time for you to connect with family members who are all there because this is a great time to show how much you all love each other. And so put the camera down and make sure that you are present and connecting with each of the family members around you. So keep that in mind as well. And it's easy to forget that as we go around. And then, of course, as <clears throat> because we started the process by thinking about what kind of book or video or project project we could create when we, when we began this whole process by creating our shot lists. Now that you've gone back and you see that you've got this really full coverage and great opportunity, you know, go ahead and take the chance to create one of those projects. You can create a photo book um, that remembers the holiday season of this year. And uh, that might be a really cool way of remembering uh, everything you've done. Or you can make one of those fun videos that you can send to everyone that sort of walks them through in sort of a slideshow fashion, your best of pictures of the season. People love that kind of stuff, you know, with a music bed behind it. That can be a lot of fun as well. And of course, you can pull some of your best and create your your holiday and or Christmas cards for next year. So, there are all those opportunities as well. And since you thought through that so well, then, of course, you will have enough images to really make that product top notch. OK, so lots of ideas for you. And I really hope that you go out and 
use them and create your by far best holiday photographs of not just this season, but of any season you've had so far. All right. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa and whatever you do to celebrate the season. I hope it is one that is it is fun and merry and of course documented well with your best pictures. All right, that brings us to the end of another episode. I hope those tips were helpful for you as you think about and photograph your holiday and your holiday season. Before I turn you loose, just a couple things I want to share with you. I'm always looking for ways to find opportunities for us to continue learning and continue our learning down our learning path. And Creative Live has been one of those resources that I think is just a treasure for people who really want to learn photography. And so I have sort of a a relationship with them, if you want to call it that, that will allow me to help look and curate some of the best images for you, the best uh, classes for you. So what I've done is gone through and picked some of my favorite based on the content they cover and the the instructors who are teaching that I think would be helpful for you as you continue learning. Now, I remember hearing a musician say, I know a song is great when I listen to it if I wished I had written it my I had written it myself. And uh, and I I really connect with that because when I look at other people who teach photography, I know they're good when I listen to them and go, "Wow, I wish I'd thought of that myself. I wish I had thought to explain it that way myself." And maybe I might sort of steal that. Well, These are some of the classes where I found myself saying that. I wish I had thought of that myself. And and so I I think that these will be truly helpful for you as you continue your learning path. And I now they are there are a ton of classes on Creative Live and it can be overwhelming. So I don't want you to be overwhelmed. So what I've done is gone in and picked some based on some topical areas that I I think you you have told me that you are trying to work through. And so if you go to shutterbooklife.com forward slash creative live, you'll see what I call the Creative Live Learning Center. And my favorites on Adobe Lightroom, there are two classes from an instructor named Ben Wilmore really has a gift for explaining things well. So you'll, you'll see there's one Adobe Lightroom complete guide that he really goes through just about everything you're going to need. Um, and then there's another one where he goes through, I call it just the essentials, but it's really essentials plus called, called Lightroom Mastery. And if you, when you go to my, you click there and it'll take you right to those classes. And if you are struggling with Lightroom and learning Lightroom, and a number of you have told me that you are, these are two classes that are really good. Another thing many of you have said that you sort of struggle with and or 
sort of have a- ambitions to is to with your photography is travel photography. And so I found a two classes. Ben teaches one on the complete guide to travel photography and uh, everything from selecting lenses to lens choices to shot lists to shooting while you're there. Really comprehensive. And it's, it's, if, if you are thinking about travel photography more than just, I'm going in and wanting to come back with just uh, typical touristy shots. This is really a, a great comprehensive class. And then there's another one. If you want to go to the another level with travel photography, meaning you aspire to go to a location, document it, and then sell those pictures to editors editorially, there is a travel photography on uh, um, class and by Laura Greer, and she's a photojournalist, and she not only goes through taking photos, but she talks about how you package the story and how you pitch them to editors. Now, what I liked about this is, you know, my background is public relations, and so I spent a good chunk of my professional career packaging and pitching stories to editors and trying to get them to cover my clients. So my uh, the the companies I worked for. Well, she is pretty solid in in using a lot of the workflow that we used as PR professionals to get stories placed. She, um, if you are serious about wanting to do that angle, her class is really good about that. And then then finally, I know a lot of you are into food photography, and Andrew Scrivani is probably one of the best not just food photographers, he's a food photographer for the New York Times, but he's probably one of the best teachers, food photography teachers. And this class he teaches is phenomenal. He goes through just not just setting up the shots, but everything you want to think about to making in making drool worthy food photographs. He is phenomenal. I wanted to bring him to Washington, D.C. He is very expensive not just for me, but it would be for you as well if you got to sit and take his class. And I still might, but it's very expensive. But this is a much more um, accessible way of getting into his head and learning from him. So anyway, you can find all of these on my Creative Life Learning Center, shutterbuglife.com forward slash creative live. And uh, naturally, if you click through from this site and uh, purchase or even sign up to be on their list, I'll get a small, you know, a, a small kickback from them. And it's just, you know, because I've gone through the, you know, the trouble of curating this, it's a way of, um, you know, also thanking me, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. Uh, but I, I hope that you find these classes helpful. And if you do, I hope that you'll use the, the link going through from this site to purchase there. All right. So the Creative Live Learning Center, and I'll, I'll continue to add uh, more classes as I go through and find things that might be helpful for you. All right. So that, that's the Creative Live Learning Center. And then finally, the early bird for the early bird savings for my photo tour New Orleans 
spring session is closing at the end of this month, meaning December of 2016. So if you want to come along and really once once the fall of winter's over and spring sets in, this is probably one of the best places you can get photographs once it starts to warm up because you have just a wide range of all kinds of photo ops from historic neighborhoods to great uh, architecture to street photography and and people fo- photo photography to food if you choose to do that to um, shooting on the bayou and just all these fun things and they're three days and they are jam packed with all kinds of photo opportunities so you can save a hundred dollars by using the early bird um using discount code early bird before december 31 all right hope to see you there and hope that you can join me for another one of my signature excursions all right that's it for this episode of the shutterbug live podcast And I am so happy that you have come along and stick with us and, uh, you know, join this podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, you can make sure you don't miss another one by going to shutterbugglelife.com forward slash subscribe and then uh, dropping your name and email. So anytime there is a future episode, I can send you just a short reminder email so that you don't miss anything, um, any of them going forward, because I know that you're going to want to come back and join us every week. By the way, Shutterbug Life is a lot more than a podcast. We are a community of friendly photographers who shoot, share, and learn together. You can join our Facebook group. And in between episodes, you can share what you are working on so that we can see what kinds of images you are shooting, share tips you've learned, um, and just anything that you think was helpful in your photography journey and can be helpful in ours. Go to fb.shutterbuglife.com to join the Facebook group and begin sharing with us. If you are in Washington, D.C. or New York City, then join one of our meetups. We have uh, a couple times each month where we go out and and shoot together. It's all fun and it's all free. And of course, if you want to learn with me, both in New Orleans, Washington, D.C., or New York City, I, I, I teach meetups in each of those cities. Of course, we just talked about New Orleans. I will be doing another weekend workshop with my buddy Steve Rosenbach in New York City coming up also next year, sometime in May. And then we'll be doing a photography cruise in uh, up the up the coast of the Mid-Atlantic up to Canada. And that's going to be it's September 30 through October 6 of 2017. So lots of opportunities for you to learn with us. All right. Thanks again for joining, and I'm so glad that you're here. Join me again next week for another episode of The Shutterbug Life, and wherever you go, whatever you do, enjoy your Shutterbug Life. Take care.